You have queued up The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? Welcome to another edition of The Roulette Tapes. I'm Susan James. David Weinstein and I spoke with award-winning composer, saxophonist, and flute player Henry Threadgill about his upcoming concerts at Roulette and projects throughout his career, illustrated with excerpts from his past performances at Roulette. My name is Henry Threadgill. I'm a musician and composer, and I live in New York City. The piece at Roulette, which is uh, the first night is called One, and the next night is called The Other One. The piece is based on number one. I was writing a book called Immigration for Return to the Cheap Soup. People were leaving New York, you know, two years ago. And when I went out in the street, there was all this evidence of people leaving New York, so I started filming. That's what it's based on. So I started filming all of the debris that people were leaving behind. All their, their clothes and stereo equipment. Everything you could think of was being left in the street. And the interesting thing was, it was the most expensive stuff that I've ever seen in the streets. $5,000 speakers, all of these things. Why were they there? Because there was no homeless people. The homeless people would have picked up these things. Women's shoes, $500 shoes stereo sets, all of these things. The mayor put all of the homeless people in hotels. Remember, because they couldn't go back to the shelters because it was too dangerous. Most people didn't notice that there was never any homeless people in the streets of New York. So this migration of people leaving New York is what this was about. So I started taking pictures and then there was moving vans and trucks all over every day. It was like unbelievable amount of moving trucks. I've been, I came here in 1975. I've never seen the, all of these for rent signs. You never see for rent signs in New York. You don't see for rent signs. You go to a real estate office. For rent signs were everywhere. It was unbelievable. And then the last thing to come up was for rent and no fee. No fee unheard of here in this city. All of a sudden, the landlord's now saying, just 
skip skip the real estate office, come straight to us. There'll be no fee involved, and you can get an apartment. That's what started this whole project. So after I photographed all of this material, I started writing about it. That's what the paintings are. The paintings are about my writings. Each painting is is like a little snippet of not poetry but prose that I've written, and it's in the form of a painting. That's basically how this thing got started. Now, the evening, the whole evening, each both evening has a prelude in the form of an 18-minute film that I've made prior to this. This film is something that's kind of abstractly different. <laughs> it's just a part of the whole puzzle. Henry Threadgill's performances at Roulette on May 20th and 21st, 2022, are dedicated to the visionary composer and percussionist Milford Graves. It's just inspired by his life and some of the things that he was working on, such as heartbeats, getting music. He was interested in people performing the music around their heartbeats. So I'm doing some things like that. And it was just his pioneer spirit in terms of these kind of things is why it's dedicated to me. 
the, the other thing about Memphis was Memphis was using transducers on symbols. So I am using some transducers in the electronic section that the drummer would be using on some symbols. These allow you to change frequencies, pitches. It's hard to describe the piece because uh, <laughs> we've never done it before. <laughs> but I'm still writing some music loops. These are some vocal loops that I'm doing. I have to go in the studio and record these so it sounds like a choir, small choirs singing, which is just me doing all of the parts, the bass, the soprano part, all the different parts. They go, these loops go in tandem with the paintings. They're like a commentary on the paintings in a way, like a Greek chorus in a way, the way a Greek chorus will operate. There'll, there'll be projections of the paintings, and then when the painting's up, that's when the loops will be up, the, the vocal loops. And then it, it goes from that to the photographs that I shot of the things that were in the street. So, so the, the projections go between the paintings and the photographs. The photographs are all of the different things that I photographed, and the trucks and the rent signs and all these things that was in the streets of New York. I have to stitch this whole thing together in the rehearsals, you know. It's gonna be a process of stitching it together. Roulette is a venue that's been long overdue and has the flexibility to serve the music community in a vast way. Yeah, I had hoped to do it there because I didn't think of any place else that I was going to be comfortable in. The relationship with the roulette management, but, but also the physical space was, was the right space for the projections and where the orchestra would be below the projections, you know. I didn't want the, be, the sight lines to be compromised by seeing the musicians' heads and things, you know. You don't have enough, have enough clearance for the projections, and the projections have to really be big to, to have an impact. Unfortunately, New York has always suffered with having appropriate spaces. They have high-end spaces, and that's it. And some of the high-end spaces are not even appropriate for too many things. I mean, think for instance, Town Hall. What can you do in Town Hall? What can you do in Carnegie Hall? These places, they, they are a bit limited. We don't have like spaces like you would find in, in Paris and different places like that. In 2014, Henry Threadgill premiered a suite of quintets at Roulette for his band Zuid that had come to be known as In for a Penny, In for a Pound. The piece earned him the 2016 Pulitzer Prize in music. Here is the introductory overture as performed at Roulette.
project that I'm doing determines what the instruments are going to be. I don't carry like a, a group of instruments in my mind that I'm going to use. I, I look at what I'm going to do and then I figure out what the what the instruments are going to be. Unless it involves my group Zuit, if it involves that, well, that's a fixed instrumentation. If it's not something involving Zuit, then I, I start from scratch. <laughs> Zuit has tuba, cello, acoustic gu guitar, trap drums, and then I play, I'm playing wood means, you know, flute, bass flute, and alto saxophone. The group before Zuit that I had would make a move. So I had bass guitar and electric bass in that group. But before that, I, I had very, very circles with two tubers. I had a group called the Windstring Ensemble that goes all the way back to the time that I got here. But I never recorded with it. It was tuba, cello, violin, and viola. It was kind of like a string quartet missing one violin. <laughs> And then I had a the dance band, I had a tuba in that. I've, I've been using the tuba a long time because the tuba has the flexibility of, it can blend with the woodwinds and the strings in a, in a way that the bass can't. The bass can't really blend properly with brass or woodwind. It's not strong enough for one thing. And it has a delay factor. The sound comes after the instrument is struck and then you get a sound, you know, afterwards. So you have to plan for that. The players know how to do that. They kind of anticipate and play things a little ahead of time so that it's, so that you hear it in time. But it doesn't blend. Uh, see, when I had the windscreen ensemble, it didn't blend. I had a bass in there first. The bass did not blend with the alto saxophone the way I wanted to. It blended with other strings, but it didn't blend with me. Not in that context. So I switched to the tuba. The tuba in the United States preceded the bass in the first place. It was in the music before the bass was. When you go all the way back in the marching bands and all of these things, uh, the early jazz, all of it was, it was tuba, it wasn't in, in the bass. So I've, I've been influenced by the tuba all of my life, really. All my thoughts are, are always about if I'd had more time. That's what I always think. If I had more time, what would it have sounded like? Because that's 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 really the uh, crux of the stage performances of theater, dance, and music. Is how how much you can do it when you get it in your bones and in your, get it in your mind in a way where you um, you can forget about it and it just kind of comes out without you even put efforts to me, you know. The reality is we don't perform as much as we used to anymore. That's what has changed. We're going back to the time that I got, that I did in for a penny. 
But even at that time, we weren't performing music as much as we used to. My early groups, we used to play so much. I used to go and do one night for two two months at a time. That, that's unheard of now. Nobody does it. Nobody can arrange to get anything set up like that. And it, it makes a total difference of what, what it do going to say. Somebody asked Duke Garrison about time off. He said, we don't have any time off. <laughs> and I remember, you know, when my first group air, we would go, we would go to Europe and we played for 45 days straight. I, I've, I've never done that with, with uh, Zuid. Or uh, the last time I did something like that was with a uh, problem with very, very circus. Yeah, and a little bit of the uh, make a move, we did a little bit of touring like that, but not as much as very, very circus. I mean, we, we finished in Europe, two months in Europe, and went straight to India, and we came straight back from India and, and opened in the United States and played straight across the United States. The more you do something, the more you, the things you find out about it. That's the difficulty. And, it's, and it's, it's not just a difficulty for me, but for all the new young musicians, it's really hard. They don't get a chance to perform these pieces over and over to, to bring them up to a certain level. So we're, really, we're experiencing a whole new period in terms of like uh, how art is being presented to us, you know? Clubs, uh, unless you can get in a club that you can play five or six nights a week, that's the only one that makes a difference. Who needs to go to a club and play one night? You're not doing anything. It's a waste of time, basically. It's a waste of time because the club can't afford to really pay you properly in one night. So unless you, you really need to be in there five or six days. Yeah, we used to go to Paris. I just couldn't wait to get to Paris because we played two straight weeks as soon as we got to Paris in the club. We'd be in the hotel for two straight weeks, same hotel, the level that the music would reach, you know. So when we did In For Penny, it came out okay you know and it came out very well but there's always another level that you can reach because of the amount of performances that you accumulate it's nothing like that art baron trombone player was on the radio recently talking about when he, he was in duke Ellington's resort orchestra and he, said, and he said he was shocked when he got in there he said like the saxophone players did, never pulled out any music <laughs> He said it scared him to death. <laughs> he said they, they never pulled out any, they never had any music in front of them, period. And he was sitting up there with music with some of the, some of the other brass players, but he said the saxophone players didn't have a stitch of music in front of them.
The Music and Thinking of composer Henry Threadgill. These programs are made possible in part with support from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Grammy Museum and are a 2021 Webby Award honoree. For Susan James and everyone at Roulette, this is David Weinstein. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.